Welcome in to another great edition of That Sports Show. Not just any sports show, not this sports show, That Sports Show. That is Impact Media's weekly drive through the main sport culture, including the NFL, F1, NASCAR, a little bit of college football, and more. I'm your host, Jeremy the Impact York. Once again, welcome in. As always, if you would like to give us a question, comment, suggestion, rating, review, any of the sorts of things there, if you would like to leave a copy of the treasure map, we uh, also accept those. And uh, you can do so by sending us an email to the number 3, E-N-D-Z-O-N-E, that is 3endzone at gmail.com, 3endzone at gmail.com. You can also find us anywhere you can find a podcast such as Podcast One, Spotify, or the iTunes Store. If there is a place you regularly get a podcast and we are not there, please let us know. We will fix that very, very quickly. Also, if you want to search for us on Facebook, Impact Media, That Sports Show, Jeremy York, you should be able to find us. If you cannot, go back to the email. We'll find it for you. If you want to just be able to click on a link and listen to the show, you can do so by going to Twitter, and going to at Team Impact Media. If you would like to follow my personal account with uh, not only all the show links, but uh, other random things that uh, are going on in the world of Impact Media and myself, you can do so by following at the Impact 99 And you can do that on Twitter, Triller, TikTok, and also on Instagram. Um, LinkedIn, if you so choose. I am on there, too. Lots to get into. Lots to get into tonight. So let's jump right in. Let's start, of course, with the NFL. What's going on in the world of the NFL? Well, the main thing, uh, just a couple little news and notes, and then I'll go through some of the games. Um... Looks like Biscuit is out and Pickett is in in Pittsburgh. Of course, what does that mean? That I call him the Biscuit, but true Bisky. Uh, part of the way through the game this past weekend was uh, taken out of the game. And in order to try to find a spark, according to Mike Tomlin, they put in Kenny Pickett, the rookie. And they were able to rebound and... Uh, not bad. He, he had a couple of interceptions. He uh, was not amazing. You know, it uh, it did give the team a little bit of a spark. And uh, the team did seem to respond to him a little bit. They did lose 24-20 to to the Jets. But, you know, that kid didn't look bad go into some of his stats. And 
trying to pull those up. Not sure why they are not wanting to do that. Really don't. Let's see if we can get that to come up. Well, anyway, Kitty Pickett didn't look bad for being his first. Uh, you know, being his first NFL action. We don't count preseason. You guys know that. But it, like I said, it, it gave the it gave him a little bit of a spark, and and the Steelers are going to need something because they're they're kind of falling behind the lead pack, which. That's kind of where I had them this year. I, I knew they were going to take a slight step back. They still do have a, uh, a pretty pretty solid team. It's not going to be fun to, to play without T.J. Watt. Uh, but, you know, you, you just can't. I, I don't know what it is about the Watt brothers and the Bosa brothers. Uh, maybe it's just they're, they're such hard-nosed players that, that they end up pushing themselves and end up getting hurt. But... Just uh, all-world players, but uh, playing without him is going to be pretty interesting in Pittsburgh. There we go. Kenny Pickett, uh, 10 for 13 for 120 yards. Not bad. Uh, three interceptions. That's, that's, that's not good. He was not sacked. Something he can hold over Mitch Trubisky, who was sacked three times. Um, you know, there's some things the kid could do better. He did have six runs for 15 yards and two rushing touchdowns. There's there's a plus, you know. There's there's some the some things there. Having George Pickens as your number one target, that's definitely going to help. Claypool had had a had a a drop. Missed miss catch or whatever you want to call it that, that could have definitely helped them out. But, hey, they're going to roll with Kenny. They're going to roll with Kenny Pickett. And I don't blame them. You, you, I think you have to at this point. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. After 11 seasons and a couple, or what, one game with Tom Brady as his quarterback, outstanding rapper and part-time receiver Cole Beasley is officially hanging up the cleats. Uh, I jokingly say that he's not a bad rapper, by the way, if you check out his album. Uh, most notably, obviously played a little bit with the Bills, a game or so with Tampa Bay, and most notably with the Dallas Cowboys, where he was uh, a great slot receiver. Uh, 11 seasons is a lot, so congratulations to Cole. Maybe we can get him on the show. Maybe he'll rap a little bit for us. We'd love that, actually. I, I really did enjoy uh, some of his some of his songs from before, but uh, Cole Beasley officially hanging it up. And while we are talking about the Cowboys, uh, Dak Prescott says that uh, he's uh, getting closer and closer to being ready to go, and he feels like he would be ready this week. I also believe that they are going to keep him out an extra week, even if he was ready this week, because Juan Cooper Rush is doing some good stuff. And two, that uh, you want to ease him in because if you bring him back too early, then 
you know, he gets hurt again. We don't need him to get hurt. So we'll see what they do with that. Dak says he's ready. I think we're going to err on the side of caution there, or I think they should err on the side of caution. It's not like I'm part of the organization. But uh, other than that, you know, the Cowboys did get a win over the Commanders. That and the Commanders looked awful, just just how we we thought they would be. Um, turns out Carson Wentz can not only be one of the worst players on a bad team. Uh, he does it pretty regularly this year. Uh, 25 to 10, Cowboys win that one. Uh, most notably, I'm not going to go through all the games, but I do want to talk about the Cleveland Browns visiting the Atlanta Falcons. What did I tell you guys last week? Did I not tell you guys that this is going to be a close one and Atlanta's going to win? And what happened? This was a close one, and Atlanta won. Just fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Let's start. In in uh, the first quarter, there was a, a great goal line third down stop by Atlanta, and uh, the fourth down conversion was not good either. So Atlanta started their first drive pretty much on their goal line. Cleveland was causing a lot of uh, quarterback pressure near the red zone once that drive went all the way to the other side. It ends up in a uh, in a coup uh, chip chip shot field goal. It's chip shot for him. Uh, three to nothing early on. Uh, there was a fumble recovery by Atlanta in the red zone on the next drive, and uh, they they had a big play by Mariota. Patterson ends up with the rush touchdown. He eventually got dinged up. He didn't finish this game, but that led to some other runs from other people. But uh, 10 to nothing uh, going into the second quarter. Now, let me let me go right there, too. I, I still, I get it. About a third of the fan base, third, uh, you know, some, some of the listening audience here now. You guys want to see Desmond Ritter. We get it. You want to see Desmond Ritter. He's not ready. And I know what you're saying. Well, you're not the coach. Yeah, but the coach is telling us everything we need to know. There has been not even a package drawn up for him to come in and play. There has been no question, no stuttering whatsoever when asked about it. And Mariota's your starter. You guys tend to think that Mariota is a, a uh, just god-awful player. Try again. He is a game-managing, improvising quarterback. He can make plays when he needs to, which he did. There was a few crazy scramble jump passes and things like that, and he was on the money. He extends plays. I know what you guys are going to say. You guys are going to say, well, he was only 7 for 19 for 139 yards and an interception. Correct. And the two touchdowns came from Huntley and Patterson. Yeah, I, I read the same box score you did. But there were times when his knowledge and his veteran presence kept drives and kept plays alive that rookies just don't know how to do. 
I'm not saying Ritter's going to be bad. And uh, I heard one of the radio guys this morning, don't remember which one, I was kind of flipping around. One of them said, we don't even know if Ritter is going to be Mr. Next or Mr. Right Now or Mr. Future going forward. In fact, a couple of them tend to think that we can use the draft position this year to potentially take another quarterback. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, but Mariota did what he had to do. He makes he makes the plays when he needs to make those plays, and for the most part, he does not. I mean, he's only sacked once because he scrambles around. He's occasionally going to make mistakes here or there, but he was getting Zacchaeus and uh, and London involved. And I know what you guys are going to say as well. Here's the other point that um, a small percentage of the fan base is, is coming up with. Well. Drake London and Kyle Pitts are, are almost non-existent. To a point, yes. They both had, well, Kyle Pitts had one catch for 25 yards. He actually has a hamstring injury right now. There's a chance he won't play this weekend. I think Errol and Sada Caution, you think about it. And uh, Drake London, two catches, 17 yards. His longest was a 10-yarder. He was targeted seven times, by the way, and Pitts was four. But here's the thing. You guys watched the same game I did, right? Part of why they are not targeted is a couple things. One, the run game was doing quite well, enough to where uh, they ran the ball probably about 60-70% of the time anyway. So if you're running the ball, you're clearly not going to pass to your, your pass catchers. And two, they weren't getting open. Part of being successful in the NFL, yeah, you could say you can be thrown open, but they have to be close enough to be thrown open. And from what I saw, London and Pitts were having issues getting open. That does not mean they suck. That does not mean I'm picking on them. No. In the past plays that I saw, I did not see them get open. They had great coverage. They had blanket coverage and sometimes uh, extra help uh, to bracket both of those guys, they they said, you know what, we're going to block these guys. We're going to make you beat us another way. And so that's what the Falcons ended up doing. I give Jacoby Brissett a lot of credit. He had a, a pretty decent day himself. He was the Marcus Mariota of his team of keeping them anywhere close. He was 21 for 35. They were behind a little bit. And also, that's just part of it. They have Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt could not get going. Nick Chubb, 118 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. That sounds close to what he did in, like, the first half of a Georgia game. Uh, but Brissett, 234. He threw the one interception. Uh, they were the same. They're a similar team. They, they want to get the run established. And basically, Atlanta was like, we're going to contain Chubb, and we're not letting Kareem Hunt beat us or Jacoby Brissett. And that's pretty much what happened pretty much what happened with that and overall uh, this thing kept going back and forth and uh, you know shout out to cousin I didn't know I have I'm sure we're cousins Cade York he had a big day kicking the football for Cleveland but in the end it come down it came it came down to the Falcons defense making a big stop and Young Way Koo 
the pride of Georgia Southern, which will be playing against, be in town to face Georgia State this weekend, by the way. You should come down and check out that game. Always a great game. Pride of Georgia Southern, Eagles, Young Way Koo. He gets the winning field goal. This is just how this team's going to be. They're going to be scrappy. They're going to win games by a field goal or by a score at the end, things like that. I know what you guys are thinking as well. Well, I hope we uh, we only win three or four games so we get a good draft choice. I get it, but at the part of the rebuild you're at, if you can win seven games, you should take it because I think you're slightly ahead of schedule. This team is very, very fun to watch. And let's see, is it a team? Is it a game that I am picking? It is. So a little later, I will give my analysis of Atlanta at Tampa Bay this week. It is one of my five games uh, to watch. Uh, let's talk. Talk a little NFL there. Let's talk. Talk about the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves clinch the NL East the other night with a win over the Marlins. I believe it was last night. That makes sense. I think it was last night. Uh, they had the. I think the last game of the season is tonight. Doesn't matter what the Mets, who I believe are winning, or the Braves are doing. Uh, but congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. This is the fifth division title in a row, I think is what somebody said. That that sounds right. Then, you know, seems like they're they're right back in the middle of another dynasty. You had the Bobby Cox dynasty, uh, 14 straight. You know, now now you're getting Snicker. You guys are up and down on him, but the guy just keeps winning. The biggest question we know in the offseason will be Dansby Swanson, but for now, enjoy the fact that you're the number one seed. You get a bye. You don't play again until, like, this time next week, something like that, maybe maybe longer than that. You get time to rest everybody up. Strider should be coming back. Uh, the only person you're really going to be missing out of your regular lineup is Ozzie Albies. So... This team is, is just, it's an all-star team. You've got power. You've got people that can, that can hit for average. That can, you've got everything on this team. Whether you like Kinsley Jensen or not, he's your closer. And when it counted against the Mets, he was lights out. He was, as I said, I was like, this guy has been up and down. He's been more up than down, but he's had his, his downs too this year. And then the New York Mets come into town for the biggest series of the year, and he turns into Trevor Hoffman. For some of you newcomers who don't know who Trevor Hoffman is, please Google that and get back to me. Uh, he, he just turned into uh, the Jensen that we all saw in L.A. So congratulations to the Braves. Like I said, they get the first round bye. They will face the winner. They will face the winner of the Cardinals and Phillies, I believe, which will more than likely be the Cardinals. And the Mets will take on the Padres starting Friday, I believe. Yeah, Mets and Padres. Yeah, and Phillies and Cardinals will start there. And that is a three-game series, I believe, for all of those. And 
I guess it would be lower seeds at that point. So depending on who wins, the Braves would get the lowest seed, I believe, to face them starting next Tuesday. And the Dodgers would get the other one. No, the Dodgers are actually the top seed. They won 10 more games. They won 111 games. How did I miss that? Wow, 111 games. That, that's crazy. But uh, there's your, your baseball update. And go Braves, right? Uh, Atlanta United, they lost this past Saturday to the New England Revolution up in New England, 2-1. to one. Now, the kind of silver lining in it was the team still played a good, complete game. New England is really, really good and a top team in this league. Uh, and, and the main silver lining is the one goal was scored by Joe Marr, otherwise known as Joseph Martinez who did a beautiful bicycle kick from the top corner of the box. Uh, just, just fantastic. And, you know, a week ago, I, I was starting to believe some of you that think that he is as good as gone, that this is the last time we will see him in the, in the uniform. And then you see, like, his Instagram post and how much he enjoys playing for the fans and playing here and, and the reason why he does a lot of things that he does is because he is doing this for the fans it sounds like to me that he wants to stick around now I know they have an off season to talk about this and he is under contract next year I think it's a club option but he is under contract which means if he wants to stick around, then they will talk about that and moving forward some of the other personnel decisions to try to build this team back around him again. I think Pineda has a good plan. I think if he is able to um, figure out which groceries he's going to get to use, then if he can pick out his own groceries, then I think he's going to make a marvelous meal. Let's put it that way. I, th I think that's going to have uh, a lot to do with it. Uh, but if, if for some reason Joseph Martinez wants to call this call this a chapter and move on, then uh, we absolutely wish him the best. He was the face of the team for every pretty much every moment he was here. Uh, just a great community guy. Seems like a really, really good guy from all the fans and media interactions that, that I've heard. And uh, we just we got one more game, which will be this Sunday. At home versus New York City FC. I think it's like a 3 p.m. game or something like that. And, you know, we play that game out. We are officially out of the playoffs at this point. This game uh, only matters for personal pride. I would love to see them go out there and, you know, 3-0 is NYCFC. 2-0, something like that. Let uh, let Joe Mar have one. And uh, what about Parata? That guy is, is like LGP on steroids. And I'm not accusing him of being on steroids. He is like bigger, badder, more awesome LGP. We'll put it that way. 2.0. LGP 2.0. Slightly different kind of player. Big fan of them both. But other than that, looks like the United season is, is going to quietly move itself into the offseason here soon. And we will talk more news about that. And um, I'm working on some stuff that you guys may like, some offseason stuff with them. So... We'll see what happens with that. But for right now, let's take a break. Let's talk about our friends at betonline.net. And after the break, we will talk NASCAR 
F1 and get into my weekly picks that uh, were decent last week. They're going to be better this week. But for now, we'll see you after the break. Hi, this is Jeremy the Impact York from Strong Style, Board Check, and That Sports Show. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, including this year's opening games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And we're back. Make sure to visit our friends at betonline.net. They have the articles. They do podcasts. They do the betting lines and the wagering and the the help section and all the stuff that help you be better at making money. They do so much of the work for you. Go visit betonline.net. Tell them Impact Media sent you. They love to hear that. And we love when you tell them that. The news really does get back to us when you say that. And we appreciate it. Uh, now, let's talk. Uh, let's start some F1. Let's talk about F1. They were in Singapore under the lights and a lot of moisture. <laughs> a lot of moisture. This race was actually uh, delayed a little bit. It's about 30 minutes or so. They tried to dry the track the best they could. Tires did play a big part into it because there were a lot of just, uh, just random, kind of random wrecks. And no, we're not talking Georgia Tech. Uh, there was a delay start, like I said, wet conditions early. George Russell had a pit lane start. I was unaware of what in the world that was until I saw it. What that basically means is there's kind of a warm-up lap, and then they all line up and they go. That's normally how F1 works, kind of a warm-up the tires so that you don't get a cold start. Don't, don't uh, roll the tires. Well, because his pit lane start, everybody lined up, and the first 19 and him being the 20th car he had to stay in the pit so he did not get the warm-up lane and so he pulled into the 20th spot and away we go never seen that before but that was pretty cool uh, there was a jumbled grid early and what was crazy is is Max Verstappen who is running away with the points championship and by running away with he practically has it all but wrapped up at the moment uh, just having a fantastic all-time historic run uh, he started dropping down he got passed and then and had to kind of check up and when he checked up he got passed by a bunch of people and then he just started to just he started eighth by the way and he started dropping I think he ended up like 11th or 12th and then just started marching his way forward as only he can uh, that's Max he's, he's just on another level right now uh, crazy thing was I believe he ended up finishing in seventh which looks like it looks like you know hey he started in eighth he got up to seventh wow he uh, he pretty much stayed in the middle of the pack no <laughs> he was up and down and all over the place he ended up passing uh, Seb uh, Sebastian Vettel he passed him right there at the end and uh, was able to get into seventh 
I believe. I passed them on the last lap because the way this works is you have a two hour time period to run it, the amount of laps. They clearly were not going to do that so the, so the timer started and when the timer runs out they wave the flag and it is one lap after that and so So they were, uh, so he actually passed him in the extra lap, basically. Um, Latifi and, and Zoe, I believe is how you say his name, got into it a little bit. They, uh, they, I don't know, I'm sure they worked it out at some point, but uh, they kind of got into it and they put them, ended up putting them both into, uh, into the barrier. Uh, Albon on lap 26 did the same uh, then Hamilton crashed on lap 33 and, and his was just crazy because it's it's like the steering went out but it didn't all of a sudden he goes to go into a corner and I just drive straight into the wall never never turns it was it was uh, I think it was the conditions there was some wet patches still there and uh, just crazy how it all worked out we finally get a yellow flag about lap 36. Uh, Yuki Sonoda is the one who caused that. He ended up going into the wall as well. Kind of got spun out a little bit. Uh, he kind of, th th there was some things there. I don't think it was all Yuki. And uh, uh, this thing kind of kept going and then it went to the time limit. They got right at 50 laps in, I believe, of the 61 that they needed to run and in the end Sergio Perez ends up with the win it was just fantastic by him followed by he is uh, Max Verstappen's teammate at Red Bull followed by the two Ferrari guys Charles Leclerc and uh, and Sainz who were right behind that in third it's fun when it's jumbled up like that. It's fun when it's also fun when somebody like Max or Charles Leclerc just absolutely run away with it, or you know Lewis Hamilton, somebody like that. But uh, I like when it's jumbled up like this, and there's people all over the place, and there's jockeying for position. We had five different cars of the 20 that did not finish the race. They were out with like 20 laps to go. Just, just crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Now, of course, they get right back into it this week. They will be in Japan for the Honda Japanese Grand Prix, where the defending champion is Valtteri Bottas. He is a uh, great veteran of the sport. He is in the field. because I mean, he won last year. It's not like he's been gone 20 years. Uh, should be a fun track. A lot of people think Max is going to just uh, qualify high and run, it, and run this over again. I do not agree I think somebody other than Max is gonna win do not know who uh, it would be fun to see uh, George Russell or Lewis Hamilton his teammate at Mercedes uh, got the McLaren guys uh, I mean at this point it's kind of like NASCAR I kind of want to see different people win Max can have the points he, he's he's had a historic year and, and great for him on that um, it's fun I mean let Botas win again that'd be great but that is either 8 or 8.30. Either 8 or 8.30 on Sunday morning. Uh, can we see 
stream that is exactly. I think it's I think it's on the Deuce again. I think it's ESPN two. I will find out. We are trying to find out. There's the page is loading. Appreciate it, producer Sassy working on that. There it is the Honda Grand Prix. That is in Suzuka at ooh. Wow, the time is going to get us on this one. This is 1 a.m. on Sunday morning on the Deuce ESPN2. 1 a.m. That This is one time that the time is is uh, is going to get us. So Because I happen to know that a lot of Japan is about, I have a friend that lives over there, is about 13 hours ahead. So that means that this is about a 2 p.m. race over there that will be in the day. It'd be right at 2 p.m., so uh, should be fun. I know I said that Botas, uh, Valtteri Botas, or Botas, is I like Botas, is a um, is the defending champion. I am going to say that Charles Leclerc is going to be the winner here. Although it'd be fun to see like Lando Norris or somebody like that win. Um, I'm going to say that Charles Leclerc is going to win this weekend in Japan. Now we go from one racing league to another. Let's talk about the NASCAR Cup Series. They were at Talladega. Talladega, otherwise known as the blender of racetracks because anything can and usually does happen. If you can avoid the big wrecks, that's why they call them the big ones for the big one, and you can kind of keep your nose clean in as many ways to mean that as possible. Then uh, you keep yourself towards, and towards the end you start creeping up, put yourself in a chance to win, you get that push at the end, and you win. This sounds like the perfect way to describe the race winner, otherwise known as Chase Elliott. You guys know I'm not the world's biggest Chase Elliott fan, but I got nothing bad, no snarky remark to say on this. He absolutely played the Talladega game. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean exactly what I just said. He avoided the big wrecks. He kept his nose clean. He put himself in a good position. I think he was eighth going into the final run. And once he got to eighth, he started working himself up. Was able on the two-lap restart to get a great push from... have it somewhere big push from Eric Jones which sucks for Eric Jones because he didn't get a top five for it uh, McDowell was pushing Blaney it was with two to go that's where the restart was um, this whole thing was caused because the 16 car completely shut off while on pit road uh, it was Daniel guy's name Henry's but anyway uh, that was with six to go it restarts with two to go Elliot gets that big push from Eric Jones Elliot wins it was a wild finish because they got to the end and like the top five or six cars fanned out it wasn't five wide but it was like staggered motorcycle staggering the way they ride down the road uh, Elliot wins Blaney gets second uh, McDowell third Ross Chastain was fourth and Denny Hamlin Death. Before we get into the standings 
of uh, how everything lies right now because Chase gets the automatic um, with that win and him being in the playoffs, he gets the automatic push. He, he is the only automatic person in the next round. Um, early on, man, you got Eric Jones and Ross Chastain that were, that were out front. You know, two guys we saw at the end. Uh, Almirola was uh, out front early as well. The big one, number one, as I call it, was lap 24 of 60, otherwise known as 24 of 188. This was in the first stage. It involved 14 cars. Only about two of them did not finish the race. You know, we're, we're off the track and things like that. But what it eventually led to was uh, of the 14 cars, about nine took some dam some big damage, and uh, two of them were off the track. That's that's kind of the way it worked. Uh, then number seven, Corey LaJoy, got into got loose and got into the wall on lap 45. Uh, Blaney was able to edge ha Hamlin for the stage one win. There, once again, there's two more people that ended up in the top five, and uh, that that was that was what it was. You were either in in the uh, the the top pack at the front, you were in the bottom pack at the back, or you were somewhere in between, getting jumbled up and tending to tending to uh, get caught up in the um, well the fender benders. Uh, stage two, right about lap sixty six, you it was just just wild. There was just people everywhere. Uh, Almirola, Harvick, and Gilliland were leading there early. They kept talking about hand signals out the window. And, I mean, they went on for like eight or nine minutes. Everybody who had a microphone was talking about hand signals and how they drivers signal to each other out the window so that they know who's pitting and who's not pitting. I thought the spotters had a lot to do with that. Apparently, not as much as these hand signals. Plus, you talk about hand signals between NASCAR drivers, and there's only one in particular, and that's the one where you tell them that you're their number one fan. Uh, that, that's the only they just they went on about hand signals for for the longest time, and it was just weird. It was weird. That's what it was. Because it after all that, you really couldn't tell. You didn't see any of them. Uh, the number 20 of Christopher Bell, who had a pretty good day, he spins going into the pit entrance and causes another caution with about 21 to go. Uh, the pit, they had a bunch of pit stops with 18 to go because of that caution. And then Elliot, Chase Elliott edges Kyle Larson, who is his teammate. That led us to the final stage. We're on lap 127. That's when that started with 62 to go. Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, and Brad Keselowski, who was having a pretty solid day too. They were up front early. Then there was just a big wave of pit stops right around lap 162 with 27 to go. And that kind of set everything up where, oh, it's Hemrick. That's his name, Daniel Hemrick. With, uh, it was the 16 car that um, 
uh, his car just shut off. He didn't shut it off. His car just completely quit working in, while in pit lane, and that was enough of a hazard to cause all of that. Once again, Chase Elliott was number one, Ryan Blaney number two, uh, McDowell, Chastain, Hamlin are the remaining are the remaining finishers there. Now we go into our standings. Chase Elliott automatically in the next round with his with his win. Number two is Ryan Blaney. Ross Chastain is third. Denny Hamlin fourth. Joey Logano is fifth. You have Kyle Larson at sixth. Daniel Suarez at seventh. And then it gets interesting because the top eight will advance with one, one race to go. We'll talk about that race in a second. Uh, Chase Briscoe is currently in eighth, but he is tied points-wise with number nine, Austin Sendrick. Briscoe just has the tiebreaker, which I, maybe it's stage points. Maybe it's uh, he has a prettier blue stripe on his car. I have no idea. They never got into this. Uh, but Austin Sendrick would be the first car out at the moment, followed by William Byron, Christopher Bell, and Alex Bowman. Bowman is pretty much going to be out because for the second week in a row, he is going to miss the race because of a concussion. But the number 48 car will be driven by, I forgot who drove it this time, so the owner points, the team points, they can still get. But uh, Bowman is, is pretty much going to be out. Um, Kurt Busch is also going to be out. He is not in the chase, not in the, the playoffs. And uh, so, you know, basically, you've got a handful of racers that, depending on how things go, uh, they're trying not to be in those bottom three. Not to be outdone, Kevin Harvick, who has been the number one soapbox star of uh, complaining about these cars. Denny Hamlin's been right behind him on that. Um, he's complained for weeks, uh, Harvick has, about these inferior parts on these cars that NASCAR has given him. Well, whether you think this conspiracy or not, I tend to think there is. His car was pulled in for inspection after Talladega, and they found a modified part that is not supposed to be modified. What does that mean? Well, that means his crew chief is going to miss the next four races. Pretty much means the next time you see uh, Childress, isn't that his name? Next time you see Kevin Harvick's crew chief, it will be the final race of the season. Hey, at least he didn't miss the whole season, right? He was also fined $100,000, his crew chief was. Do not know the part in question. I uh, do know a lot of, lot of the racers complain about the hardness of the back of the cars. Now, it, it helps when they hit walls and things like that, that it, it has not damaged the cars as much and not required them to have so many cars taken with them all the time. But that also means that Kevin Harvick was docked, what was it, uh, 100 points, so was the team. And uh, yeah, they all think that was pretty much on purpose because he speaks out a lot. And I agree. I'm gonna reach out to the person that I know from that team and see what he thinks. I'm sure on his own podcast earlier today. Uh, look forward to listening to that, I'm sure. We're gonna hear all about it and I look forward to it. But for now, that is the way things go. 
in NASCAR, and they will head to the Charlotte Roval road course, the Roval, where the defending champion is Kyle Larson. That's going to be fun. And that race, that race will decide who goes home. Like I said, four are going to go home. Looks like Alex Bowen, by default, is going to be one of them. Uh, who the other three could be, we will find out at the end of that race. Speaking of which, that race is going to be Sunday at 2 p.m. on NBC from the Charlotte Road Course at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Once again, Kyle Larson is the defending champion. Who is going to win the race? I am going to say Daniel Suarez is going to win the race. And if not him, then his teammate Ross Chastain. I think one of the Trackhouse guys, I think they're going to do well. One of the Trackhouse guys is going to win this, and I think it's going to be Daniel Suarez. That gets us through all of the regular news. Now let's get into the picks. Let's start with college from last week. I told you to take number 16, Baylor, over number 9, Oklahoma State. Yeah, I missed that one. Oklahoma State wins 36-25, to 25, I believe. Told you guys to take NC State, number 10, NC State, on the road over number 5, Clemson. Well, Clemson won that one as well, 30-20. to 20. A lot closer, though. Told you to take New Mexico State versus Florida International. Florida International put 21-7, to 7, or 21 on New Mexico 7. Uh, missed that one. So, 0-3. But I did hit a couple of them. Told you to take number two, Bama, over number 20, Arkansas. That is not ranked now. We will get into that in a minute. 49 to 26 later, Bama did lose their quarterback to a sprained shoulder. I still feel pretty good about their chances this week. And I also told you to take number 22, Wake Forest, over number 23, Florida State. 31 to 21, Demon Deacons. I'll take that. I went two and three. That was, that was a rough week. Took some chances on some and uh, didn't quite pan out. College picks for this week. Here are the games I'm looking at, the games I think you should pay attention to, and, and that will be fun. They'll be close matchups and, and worth watching. You know, I could, take, I could tell you two teams that are both one and four, or two and three, or, or four, even four and one. These are matchups I think you're going to like. Number eight, Tennessee at number 25, LSU. That is a noon kickoff on ESPN. Take the volunteers on the road and that one. Number one, Alabama is hosting Texas A&M, 8 p.m. on CBS. I don't care who's playing quarterback. Texas A&M is a good team. Take Alabama at home. If this was on the if this was at Texas A&M, let's have that conversation. But it's not. Take Alabama. Arkansas, currently unranked. Arkansas is going to be at number 23, Mississippi State. Go Bulldogs. Noon kickoff on SEC Network. Take the Mississippi. State. I think they're the Bulldogs. That, that makes sense. Take Mississippi State. Texas is going on the road to Oklahoma. This is a 12 p.m., otherwise known as noon, kickoff on ABC. 
Hook'em Horns. Take the horns. Take That's Texas for people who don't know. Hook'em Horns. And then FSU will be at number 14, NC State. That is an 8 p.m. ACC Network game. Maybe I'll get home in time to see that one. Take NC State on the road. Remember, we will talk about it later this week on TSU Panther Zone, but Georgia State will host Georgia Southern at 2 p.m. at Center Park Stadium. If you are in the area, please stop by. Stop by, come see the game. It's going to be a fantastic game. These two teams absolutely do not like each other. It does not matter what the records have been over the years. And it, they're both at a fun spot in their season. They both need the wins, especially Georgia State. Uh, let's go to the pro picks. Last week, I told you, and Tottenham on Sunday morning, take Minnesota over New Orleans, 28-25. to 25. Here's the crazy thing. Will Lutz, the former Georgia State Panther, uh, friend of the show, and uh, overall fantastic guy, kicker for the New Orleans Saints, he kicks a 60-yard field goal to make it 25-25. Minnesota goes down, kicks the field goal, makes it 28-25. As time is expiring, Will goes for a 61-yarder. He catches, I believe it was the left upright, then the crossbar, and it bounces back into play. He almost, he's tied for second for the second longest field goal in history. And this is at Tottenham. This is not at Denver where the other one was kicked, by the way. And he barely missed tying the, the record, I believe, which is 61. Uh, go, Will. Hate that you missed that one, bud, but go, Will Lutz, and continued success for you, sir. But 1-0 uh, currently on that one. Told you to take Detroit over Seattle. Seattle edges them out 48-45. to I did not think that was that 93 points were going to be scored between those two. Yikes. I uh, told you to take Baltimore over Buffalo. Buffalo edges them out 23-20. They're currently 1-2 at that moment. told you to take the Las Vegas Raiders over the Denver Broncos, 32-23. I'm 2-2. Two and, two. and then told you to take the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs over Tampa Bay on Sunday Night Football, 41-31 in that one. I ended up 3-2. and two. I'll take it. This week... Some interesting matchups. In fact, in London, 9.30 kickoff on the NFL Network. The New York football giants will be at the Green Bay Packers. Take the Packers. These Both these teams are both 3-1, and one, I believe, right now. Um, the Giants went off to a quick start before losing to the Cowboys in their lone loss. And then uh, the thing here is that will Daniel Jones be healthy enough to go or... You know, they put in their backup. Their backup gets hurt. At one point, they just had Saquon Barkley, the running back, run the Wildcat because they didn't have a quarterback to put in. That's pretty crazy. Uh, looks like Daniel Jones is going to be real close to being healthy to go. Hopefully, they sign multiple quarterbacks to take with them. Not sure who they could have brought or promoted up. But uh, that the fact that they have no idea who their quarterback could be at this moment is why you take the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the L.A. Chargers are going to go to Cleveland. Both of them sit at 2-2. Two and two. They both need a bounce-back game, and I think this very much is going to be one for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert is a lot better 
with his uh, uh, bruised ribs or, or whatever kind of uh, uh, midsection related injury he has. I think he's going to bounce back, take the Chargers. The Dallas Cowboys are going to be at the L.A. Rams. This is a the 425 feature game on Fox. Take the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Rams are up and down. They have some issues here and there. Um, they have shown that they are vulnerable, and for some reason, I'm just going to ride this Cowboys wave. It has nothing to do with my fandom. I just feel like this could be Cooper Rush's last start of the season, potentially, as Dak will probably be back next week. But I feel like Cooper Rush is going to find a weird, quirky way to win and go Cowboys. Uh, Cincinnati at Baltimore. This is the Sunday night football game on NBC. Cincinnati's starting to put some things together. They're starting to remind people that they did go to the Super Bowl last year. But the Baltimore Ravens are one of their rivals and do not care what you did last year. They are all about this year. I think the Ravens are going to win at home on Sunday night football. I think they're going to win by 10-plus. They're not going to blow them out, but they're going to win by 10 or 11 points, I think. And they're going to – I don't think this thing is going to ever really be in doubt for them. And then lastly, it's the game I teased this entire time. If you remember, the Atlanta Falcons are going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is a 1 p.m. Fox game. I will tell you right now, the Saints – are imploding from within. The Panthers are crumbling, and the Buccaneers have internal issues that are going to cause this football team, besides the fact that they can't keep wide receivers healthy. Um, everybody, including Brady, is having on-field and off-field issues. I think there is going to be a lot of chaos involved on that sideline. I think the Atlanta Falcons win that game. I do. I think they have their act together much more than Tampa. It, this could be 31-27. It could very much be 17-14. Uh, but I do, I trust Koo over, I believe it's, is that Sokoff? I'm not sure who the kicker for Tampa is. Uh, but I trust Koo and Mariota and the run game that will be without Cordell Patterson for the next four weeks. But um, is Allgaier, Algier, however you say his name, we talked about him a while ago with the game. I, I very much like this rushing attack and that it doesn't seem to matter who has the ball. They all run forward for big gains. So to recap, recap all the picks I have here. Take Tennessee on the road over LSU. Take Alabama at home over Texas A&M. Mississippi State at home over Arkansas. NC State at home over FSU. And Hook'em Horns take Texas on the road in Oklahoma. Pro picks take Green Bay on technically at home, but in London, 9:30 kickoff there. NFL Network, by the way, over the Giants. Take the Chargers on the road over the Browns. Take Dallas on the road over the Rams. Take Baltimore at home on Sunday Night Football versus the Bengals, and take our Atlanta Falcons on the road in Tampa Bay. That is all the sports I have for you tonight. Appreciate all you guys tuning in, making this so much fun to come on here and talk Falcons and Braves and, and the Atlanta sports market. Whether we get ignored by New York or not, it tends to happen in the national media. It doesn't matter because you guys care about your team. We care about our teams. We're all about the South. So, I'm Jeremy the Impact York. This has been That Sports Show. We will see you guys next week. Deuces, gooses.